Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to your official kickoff to the work week. This is Military Veteran Dad, and we're bringing episode 141, and I'm your host, Ben Cloy. Whether you were in active duty or whether you were a veteran, this podcast is focused on helping you bring the ideas, mindsets, and shifts in the way that you think, the way that you live, and the way that you do in everyday life to help you become a better dad. And this episode today with Charlie Williams meets every one of those criteria. We go through all the different areas of transition through life. We talk about the foundation that he works with, Warrior Reunion Foundation, which is an absolute phenomenal foundation. And I'm so glad that I found the organization that came into my radar and that I was able to get Charlie on here to talk about the foundation, what they do, and the type of reunions that these guys do. If you go to their website, the link down in the show notes, the videos on their website are phenomenal. And if you've been in combat, I know it's going to ring a close chord of that feeling that these guys talk about in those videos. So the question I have for you today is, are you still trying to find your place in the world? This was a topic that came up kind of suddenly in the interview, but it became a topic that I wanted to hit on with this episode because you are not alone if you're trying to find your place in this world. Veterans all around the United States are in this exact same spot as you. We leave the military behind, but we also feel we leave behind ourselves in that process. And that journey to get direction after is the real front lines of a transition effort. Let's be real. And today, as I said, I'm talking to Charlie Williams, who is part of that organization, Warrior Reunion Foundation, and they bring back units together to rekindle those friendships that were left behind in time. It's a process that helps reconnect with the good in our life, which is another topic that we bring up of trying to reconnect with what was good as a veteran and as an active duty member of the military versus the sadness versus the heaviness, the lives we protected, the lives we saved, and remembering who had your six back then. Charlie served in the Marine Corps from 2003 to 2007. We'd served in the same time frame in the Marine Corps. He got out, did some time in law enforcement, and now is a program manager for the foundation. Like I said, this is a special interview, and in my opinion, in the history books of the interview, this one is one that's going to sit with me for a long, long time. And if you're a long-time listener, and I hope that this episode, if this is your first time here, will convert you to a long-time listener, you will hear me talk about this episode and future ones over and over. And the key point is that good in our service. Guys, hang on to the other side for my big takeaway, and you probably have already got a big idea of what that could be. But let's get started with this interview with Charlie Williams. Welcome to the podcast, Charlie. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm really excited. Today, we are traveling all the way to Lafayette, Indiana, which is about a four-hour drive. And I know it's a four-hour drive because I've actually done it twice in the last year. And today, we're talking with Marine Charlie Williams, who actually is out of the Marine Corps and has an interesting place he's called home with a foundation helping brothers actually find and reconnect with battle units, essentially, that served, but kind of lose touch afterwards. So tell us a little bit about your life right now, and then we'll dive into some of those other areas. Uh, yeah, it's a extremely busy life. Um, so we, we put, uh, reunions on for units that deployed to a combat theater together. Um, 
So a unit will, will give an application to us. Uh, we'll review it, see if it's a good fit for our model. And then really the sky's the limit for what they want to do over a three-day weekend. Uh, the only things we require are three pillars, and those are around uh, camaraderie, wellness, and community service. Uh, so as part of that reunion weekend, um, for the wellness portion, we'll have one of our partners come in and talk about a program such as Wounded Warrior Project partners with us with some of their programs. They'll come in and brief it. Um, camaraderie event, we do everything from we've done kayaking to hikes in state parks, things like that, just to get them together, active, doing something. And then community service. And that kind of serves two purposes. It's one to kind of get that purpose going again in some of the veterans' lives. Um, we've uh, staged bridging material for forest service after forest fires at a recent reunion out in Montana. Um, we've built uh, kennels for a training facility for service dogs. And it actually ends up being one of my favorite parts of it because you can really see um, that purpose coming back into their, that spark kind of in their eyes as they're working together again towards a common goal. And then the other part of it is it allows the community to see that these veterans aren't broken. You know, that kind of broken veteran stigma that is still prevalent out there. They say, oh, these, these guys are productive and they, they work really well together and they work really hard. Um, so those three pillars are, are really the, the bedrock of, of our reunion program. And other than that, you know, we, we just allow the, the men and women to just hang out and rebuild those bonds so that they understand that just because their service ended and, you know, they're spread out all over the country, especially with modern technology, like what we're doing right now with Zoom, they can still be in contact with each other and lean on each other and, and kind of combat that social isolation that so many veterans face. So what was your coming home story like coming out of the Marine Corps? We both served around the same time. So I'm interested to see what you've been up to since the time we both got out. Yeah. So when, uh, I extended my enlistment and went on a third deployment uh, in 06. And my wife and I actually found out we were pregnant about two days before I left. So that was very convenient for her. Um, so really the op tempo, you know, as, as you remember back then, it just units were deploying nonstop, coming back, deploying again, coming back, deploying again. Um, so I had been gone for about 30 months out of 36 months uh, during a three-year period. Um, so with her being pregnant, I made the decision to get out and uh, went into law enforcement and did that for about 10 years. Um, it just, it wasn't that fulfilling, especially after the first couple of years and that excitement, that newness and excitement, something different kind of starts to wear off. Um, so eventually I went back to school, um, went to Purdue University and had a chance meeting with a also a fellow Marine um, in my last semester who uh, had been volunteering for this startup nonprofit called Warrior Reunion Foundation. He's like, hey, man, you should come check it out. So I did. Um, he ended up becoming the executive director. And uh, after I graduated, uh, I got hired as the program director. And I've, I've been there ever since. So it's been about uh, two years now. So in the nonprofit, uh, we're coming up on our five-year anniversary in January. Well, that sounds like it's the the good parts of that story, what were some of the struggles you had to go through that maybe aren't stuff on banner that you hang out to, to talk about? Yeah. You know, really, um, that first couple of years, I think so many of us, when, when we get out, we, we kind of, it's kind of a joke. We, we kind of try to go back into some type of service. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys become police officers, a lot of guys become firefighters or EMTs, um, in, in kind of that realm. And so a lot of us did. And, 
initially it was, it was okay. But then, you know, we started having suicides in our unit. Um, and, you know, I found myself after uh, two or three years, there was kind of just this slow slope of, of going down and feeling more and more isolated and more and more alone. Um, cause I know for me, like when I first got out, I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with veterans. I didn't want to talk to another. I just wanted to kind of, you know, that was a chapter I'm moving on completely. Um, which just exacerbated feeling, you know, isolated because there's nobody, nobody else around here that, uh, that I knew of at the time that had some of the same experiences that I could share and, you know, kind of have that, you know, almost group therapy, uh, together with. And so, you know, if you look at, you know, less than one half percent, uh, less than one half of 1% of the country is served during the global war on terror, um, we're all over the place and we don't know each other. You don't go to work and, and, you know, necessarily work with somebody that has any of the same experiences, which is such a difference to like the world war II generation that had 12% uh, serving at the time. And, you know, that's that the proliferation of, of VFWs and legions and things like that to where, you know, on a Wednesday night, a guy could go down and, you know, have a beer with, with other guys that he may have even served with, you know, just the way it was structured back then. So, you know, I really did start to feel um, really alone and, and lost, lost my purpose in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was, and I was working nights. Um, so, you know, I got into to drinking way too much and just like withdrawing, you know, people would call to be like, Hey, let's, let's go grab dinner. And I just, I wouldn't do it. I'd, I'd sit at home um, and almost just kind of like wallow in my own misery for a while. Um, so, you know, part of, part of getting out of law enforcement, um, is I actually, I went to a therapist for a while, uh, weekly, um, you know, and going back to school. And so kind of refining my purpose was, was the key, but it was a, it was a long road to get there. That is the hard part of defining the purpose. And one thing that's interesting that I've, because this question of purpose is one, most people have never been asked. And it's almost a curse question when someone asks you it, because then your mind's like, I don't have one. Does that mean, what does that mean? Like, who am I without a purpose? And then you realize that your life is just kind of like a, a set of patterns without some direction. And even like in the military, I don't really remember the word purpose being used. It was just do what you're told. There wasn't like the, the purpose is we're, we're, we're going over there and we're climbing that mountain. There wasn't like this deeper purpose that we often find now and that you found as well. But I'm wondering what advice would have really changed your perspective when you got out of the Marine Corps that you now know, but you didn't know then? I think for me and, and just, and especially doing what I do now and, and talking to a lot of veterans often, there is no replacement for time removed in terms of if, you know, if you went in combat or, or a traumatic event, like that's, that's time, you know, the old saying time heals all like that's, that's true in a lot of degrees. Um, but there are so many things you could do to mitigate um, how bad you're feeling, you know, to stop that spiral early. And I think, you know, especially back when, when we got out, I think we both got out in 07, you know, it was kind of an all or nothing, you know, you, you need to go do this program. You need to go do that program. And I just, I, I Very feel like, based. yes, just being open about it. And Hey, like, you're going to feel like shit for a little while, like you're just going to, here are some things 
possible programs that may help you get, try different ones out, see what helps. Um, and just, I think that open, honest conversation, and I think listen to the people that have, that have been through it before. And, you know, some you're going to disagree with, and it's not, you're not going to identify with, but some you will. Um, and do yourself that favor to just keep from going down that rabbit hole, which has destroyed so many veterans' lives, you know, veteran homelessness and, you know, guys that are just, I mean, in, in really bad spots. And the worst is, is the suicide rate. Being part of an organization that brings people back together, what do you feel now that you get to do this kind of work? Is there a particular way that you would articulate how your purpose is being fulfilled within this? To me, it's really about, you know, especially because now we're getting into units that may be deployed in like 2010, 11, 12, um, doing whatever I can to keep them from having some of the days that I had, um, you know, towards, towards the end before I started uh, on the road to, to getting right again. Um, and, you know, like I, I mentioned, when I first got out, you know, I didn't want, I didn't talk to really hardly anybody for my old unit um, just because I was separating myself from that part of life and, and showing them that that's not the way to do it. Um, you know, keep those lines of communication open because it is vitally important. It's helped me so much since I re-engaged with a, with a lot of those guys, you know, I'll get a random phone call at, you know, 10 o'clock at night from a guy I've heard from in 10 years. And, you know, we'll start talking. And before you know it, it's an hour and a half later. You know, those bonds that you form in the military don't, don't end at the end of enlistment. You know, that's, it's still there. And it takes a little bit of courage. Cause I can tell you when, when I went to my unit reunion, I was nervous as hell. And, you know, we, we deal with these units and everybody has that, that feeling but once you take that first step and you get back with the people that you served with, you find that no time has passed. It's, it's actually a really fascinating and really neat thing to see is everybody picks right back up where they left off. Because um, when you serve and you spend all this time with these people, those people know you and you know them better than anybody else, maybe aside from a spouse, will ever know you. Um, so having that kind of reinforcement and that community, that tribe um, back in your life, I think is, is huge. So being able to be a part of that, to reintroduce uh, these people back in, into each other's lives is, is really, really fulfilling. There was a similarity that just struck me of the connection and the, essentially the commercials that I always hear for the honor flights to Washington, DC for the World War II Korean and Vietnam veterans and how the bond so quickly comes back. And in that case, there are people that they've never even met. But what you just kind of articulated is the magic of being connected with another veteran. I feel it every time I talk to, especially the Marines I, talk, I interview in the podcast, is there is an instant connection where they don't see the demons that you feel now. They only see who you were and who you've always been. And that's who they have the ability to connect with. And it's almost like this looping back of like, you get to remember, I'm not this demon that I feel I am right now. Yeah, hundred percent. It's really, it's inspiring. Um, and, and you're right. Like it take, take you and I, we don't, you know, before doing this, we didn't know each other, but you know, I feel like we instantly are just able to talk to each other and, and are open. Um, yeah. If we were at a bar, we'd be there all night. We'd be shutting down. I feel like. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's, it doesn't matter generation either. I did, um, 
I went up to a reunion for a Vietnam unit, a golf company of 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines that, that fought in Hue in 1968. Uh, two weeks ago, we uh, WRF sponsored a meal for them for their reunion. And hell, I walk in there and, you know, start talking to these guys. And it's, you know, it's like we're all 22-year-old Marines again, you know, and they served a long time before I did. But it's, it's that same kind of common purpose, that same denominator that, you know, we all kind of are, are the same type of person and you get these people around and have similar experiences. It doesn't matter the time. Um, you just, you instantly click with these people and it's awesome. The, the, uh, what's the right word? The side effect of all of this though, is the language always reverts back to default, which right. is not a good habit because then the F bombs start flying and then oh, you yeah. just like start using the F word for commas and periods like you used to. And it's just like, damn it. And, but again, it reminds you that all of these things are still there and it allows you to access something good. And I think that's something veterans very much lose sight of is how do we access something good out of that? Or how do we feel good? Which is something we don't often get that feeling of very often. And in just in those magical moments, you like, you can get this, like, again, we're reflecting back. Like, I see you for who you were, not this person you feel you are today. And that reflection is so powerful. I mean, it, even my story today, if you've been listening to the podcast a long time, you know that I started talking to dads at the park and they started reflecting back something that I didn't know. And the third dad that I met was a veteran. And I kept repeating that process. And seven years later, I'm here hosting, hosting a podcast. Those reflections are so powerful to get out of the darkness that we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. I remember my my grandfather, who was a World War II veteran, um, he told me something really profound after I got out and, you know, he had had and used in the air force for about, uh, well, army air corps and then into the air force for about 10 years. Um, he got out, had an enormously successful career as a, you know, a, a tenured professor at, at Purdue and, you know, wrote lots of books and traveled the world, like, you know, had an incredible career, but he always missed his military service. And, you know, he told me one day that in the military, you always know where you stand. And it's, that's not true of the civilian world. And I, it was really interesting to me because I think there's a lot of truth in that. Because um, there isn't a lot of, or at least in my experience in the military, there isn't a lot of the, the outside noise that you get in the civilian world. Things are a lot clearer in the military. Um, I mean, even as far as your uniforms, like somebody can look at you and know how many deployments you've been on, where you've been. You know, you have your rank, so they, you know, they know that about you um, instantly. Um, and they also, because of shared experience, know generally what type of person you are, you know, for the majority. And so there's a, a certain comfort in that that doesn't exist in the civilian world. What you just hit on there about this identity of knowing your place in the world, it really hit me hard because... When we think of being a Marine, when we think of serving in any branch of the military, that identity that we associate with knowing where we are, it takes a lot of the pressure off as well. Like there's less pressure to grow because it's very black and white of how you get the head. You learn how to run, you learn how to do pull-ups, you learn how to shoot well. And those different things are very, it seems simple to, to maneuver. But then once you got in the civilian world, it's more nuanced. It's more black. It's, it's more gray, not black and white. And 
there isn't a clear path. And the probably the biggest change is the path actually comes from the inside versus the outside. So the military provides you the, the sidewalks, the walk on wherever you want to go and whatever you want to do and wherever you want to go as far as a job. And the outside, you literally have to be your own captain. And it's that inter-perspective of how do I actually drive this ship on my own to exactly where I want to go without someone telling where my purpose is, without someone giving me that feeling that is supposed to feel a certain way when I do a certain thing and no one showed up to tell me I did a good job. Like that feeling on the outside is often like it just day by day by day gets us more lost and more lost. Yeah. And you don't even know where to start, you know, unless, you know, you have a older brother or sister or mom or dad that maybe, you know, started their own business or or something like that. So they kind of have navigated that and can almost shepherd you in that direction. You know, if you work in, you go out of high school, you know, where you, you know your place and then you go into the military and then you get out. If you're for the majority of us that, that doesn't have that, like, I, you know, it's, it's almost looking, looking, you know, you walk into like a hoarder's house and it's just full of stuff and you need to clean it up. You don't even know where to start. So let's go in a different area. Let's go into your dad's story. So tell us a little bit about your family right now. Uh, my dad uh, is a retired uh, deputy sheriff. He did that for about 32 years. And my mom um, is currently a principal of an elementary school and, and has taught uh, most of her life. She was a oh, elementary kids. school teacher. My oldest is 14, and then I have a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old. How has that purpose of, not purpose, but the story of what we just talked to, how has that shaped what kind of dad you've shown up as? Driven. You know, I, I think because I, I do travel a lot for work, um, but an important thing I have learned, um, you know, maybe maybe I can't make a, a ball game or something like that, but I keep them really involved with my work. I show them. You know, if I'm doing a grant application for WRF, I show it to them. And I mean, they're, they're really interested in it. I've brought them out to events that we're having. So having them see me at work and seeing work and seeing kind of that they have options, you know, in, in their future. And, and like what we were just talking about is not even knowing where to start. My goal is that they do know where to start um, when, when they get into their, their adult life and their professional life. I don't care what they do, but I just want them to be able to understand that you can really do what you want to do. And like you mentioned it, but it comes from the inside. So here's what I'm doing. I show them, you know, everything, keep them engaged with that so that they have kind of a, a blueprint as, as they move forward in, in whatever they want to do. Just because really is in, in this country, the sky is the limit. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you're willing to work hard and and keep going. And so really finding my purpose again and kind of getting out of that, you know, even being a police officer, it's very much the same thing where, you know, you, it's very clear. Um, you know, my purpose has become just letting them know that they could do it. It just has to come from the inside and, and hard work. So your son being the oldest, I want to go there for a moment. What are some of your favorite things to do with your son that you feel are those purpose-driven things where it's kind of like laying the breadcrumbs for just exposing him more to life? Because that's often the, the real problem is we just don't have a wide enough view. We've only been exposed to a few lanes of life and we don't really see our full capacity within all the different lanes of life. So is there a certain 
process thinking or just certain activities that you really like that you know are kind of building up his resilience, his thinking, and different things like that? Especially as he's as he's gotten older, I really enjoy, and he always asks to um, bringing him to WRF events. Um, like we did, we did a hike uh, to honor the uh, uh, Battle of Chosen Reservoir in Korea, and it it was we do it in February. I know it's not when the battle happened, but that's just how it works in Indiana. Um, but we did it in February, and it had snowed a ton before the hike. Um, it was really cold. I think it was like 15 degrees and we do it with the ROTC kids at Purdue. And, you know, he wanted to go on it and I'm telling him it's about nine miles and I'm telling him like, buddy, it's, it's really cold. You sure you want to do it? Cause I'm almost like almost not baiting him, but testing him to see like, yeah, you're right. Daddy, yeah, it's too cold. But he's like, no, I want to do it. And so, you know, the ROTC kids step off and I mean, they're, they're moving. And I mean, he's keeping up the whole time and for all nine miles and he was carrying a a light ruck, um, he kept up with them and trudging through snow and and doing all those things. So he's, it's also testing him and he's testing himself to see, Hey, can I keep up with these, these men and women that are going to be officers here pretty soon. And, you know, for, to see him be able to achieve that and for him to just exposing him to that and to push himself and to be around because you know, when you're a 14 year old and you're a little unsure of yourself and now you're around 19, 20, 21 year old college kids, um, you know, it's your self-esteem can become a factor, but to see, to put him in that situation and watch him, um, challenge himself and, you know, get rid of ego and not worry about self-esteem and just be a part of it, um, is, is awesome. And I, I love it when, when, uh, we're able to, to do things like that together. I can't imagine like the the proud dad moment when you see just the the grit, like not just sweating because he's probably sweating even though it was cold, but just the sheer. And, and I'm reminded of things like the Frozen Chosen. I'm reminded of things like the Bataan Death March. I'm reminded of these moments where Marines were extremely tested and they had to keep going. Like when the tank was empty, the Marine Corps asked for more. And like on some deeper level, like that's where your son was digging. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, grit is probably the most important factor, I think, in, in being successful in life because everybody's going to get knocked down, you know, and it, just what you do with that is, is what makes the difference between, you know, success or failure. So if, you know, you can instill a little bit of that grit, you know, when, when your kid is still in a protected environment, you know, when, when they're still young and, and with you, if you can instill that, they're going to be fine as an adult. So when it comes to, you said you had a daughter as well. Mm-hmm. How have you made sure that she understands the gentleness of a Marine, but also the hardness of a Marine? Uh, well, I mean, she's also the youngest. And so, you know, the, the boys always joke that I'm so much easier on her than I am, than I am on them, which to be fair is, is probably absolutely true. Um, but you know, she's, she's a lot of the same way. I mean, and I, I do the same things with her. I, I took her, uh, we just had an event this weekend and it was a long day. It was a hot day. Um, it was, it was a Vietnam veteran, um, uh, large event. It's almost a convention and, you know, she didn't complain once and she's eight years old and it was, you know, probably 90 degrees and, and, you know, we have a booth and she sat there, didn't complain. Um, she, you know, every now and then we want to get out and go look at the, the helicopters that they had displayed out there. And, you know, so 
she has a quiet patience that that the boys don't don't uh don't quite possess because they'd have been telling me a hundred times they were bored and they've been there all day like she was but i mean she's her resilience is is in kind of that way um to where she just goes with the flow and so you know that's that's an important thing too um so trying to cultivate that with her and just always being there for um you know she's she's a, a bit of a daddy's girl and and uh but it is it is different with a daughter it just yeah wholeheartedly is it, it, it is completely different experience to to because the crutch of the problem that either wake up too early for it or you wake up too late for it is the example you provide is the one she's going to go out in the world and find in almost every category like if you want to be a dad with a shotgun at the door set the bar low if you don't want to have to worry about it set the bar high and she'll always come to the conclusion on her own that this guy's not my dad. Yeah. And, you, you know, really going back to, um, you know, in some ways, you know, her being born was almost like the catalyst to me being like, oh, shit, I need to need to get myself right again, too, because of exactly that reason. You know, I saw it so much as a police officer, um, you know, girls with, you know, in abusive relationships or, you know, things, things of that ilk. You know, that is so much the linchpin is absent dad. Dad didn't pay attention to him. Um, so, yeah, that's that's always been a, a driver for me. And the most like this is why this podcast exists. And if you're a longtime listener, I'm going to put you through this spiel again, because this is why it's so important. Your sons are understanding the depth of how you saw the world through your grid, the trials you set up for them so that they understand their path. Your daughter is understanding what it looks like to love a woman properly, what it looks like to model that love, that masculine energy of strength even, so that way when you do feel like the wind's going to blow you away, that you can trust the man that you've been with and that your dad will protect you kind of feeling. Like, these things matter. And this is why I focus on this podcast, because we have something that other dads don't. We've seen darkness. We've seen the light that was going on. I was just messaging with the dad today, and... His son is going through some hard times, and he was realizing that the darkness that he witnessed in the Af- Iraq and Afghanistan was, were, was the ability for him to be able to help his family through their darkness. And we have something that we just can't like duplicate from anybody else. And if we don't focus on being better dads as veterans, then we're not really utilizing all the different lessons and all the different sacrifices, whether you lost someone or not. All of these things taught you something about life. And if you don't expose them to the outside world, bring them into the surface, figure out how to use them, like you utilizing your story and making your purpose about bringing people back together, these things matter. And by not doing it, we're just throwing away the richness that is our military experience. I agree. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think... And not that there's not a huge amount of value, but I think there's too much emphasis placed on in the the modern world, um, you know, like travel sports and making sure you're coaching your kids team and and things like that. And not enough focus on like what we're talking about, which is that stuff's important and it's, it's good to do that, but it's more about, you need to be shaping who that person is, your child is going to be as an adult. And, you know, it's, there's the nature nurture thing. So really what you can do is, is just 
provide lessons and be open and, you know, instill that grit because there's not going to be, they're only with you for a short time. And then they spend the rest of their lives on their own and reaching back into that toolbox that you gave them. And they're either going to be reaching that toolbox or asking you for money. (laughs) So you have a choice to start early or regret (laughs) later when the, the system keeps coming back and they're like, why is this guy keep coming back to my basement? Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And what you hint on it with the civilian world that the most common phrase that people reference is, I want my kids to have a better life than I did. And, and we, when we say that, the wor- moment those words have left, we're removing the lessons that made us who we are. Like we're asking, like, if we could have had it easier, we would have. Well, you wouldn't be who you are if you had it easier. And so the reframe that I always preach on this podcast is not to give your kids an easier life, but to give them a more capable life, which is exactly what you just hit on the grit, the resilience, the understanding of how to carve your path, not give up, dig down and go into the really the the run on fumes when the tank's empty, like Navy SEAL type training stuff. When like you're ready to give up and ring that bell, like that's when you double down and go all in. Like these moments are capability that separate the people that make it and the people that don't. And we have a large conversation in this country about like personal accepting responsibility and the role the government plays but a huge component starts right here. That if you give your kids the resources and capabilities to accept responsibility for their life, the question of what the government can do for me will never even enter their world. The first time it's gonna enter the world is when they have to pay taxes and they're annoyed with it versus waiting for the government to show up and solve their, some problem that they need. And it's so, this is why what we talk about matters because we're changing generational thinking here to make the next generation better and actually bypassing a large portion of the issues that people spend all their time talking about. Like, if you want to change the world, the best time way you can invest your energy is change how your kids will grow into it. Because they're going to be the ones that actually have the the better benefit to take everything you want to be different and actually do something with it. Yeah, 100%. And that's that's a great point. You know, there is so much today in parenting where it's, it's about removing barriers you know, the, the term lawnmower parents, I think is the, the new one where, you know, they remove everything from their kid. To, yeah. It's, I, I just heard it not that long ago. That one should um, die very quickly. I hope, but I, I doubt it will. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, but yeah, it's, it is just, if your kids know that you're there for them and you teach them the lessons that you went through so that they don't have to go through them instead of trying to protect them all the time, then you're going to be fine. And, like you said, everybody wants their, their kid to be better off than they were, but we're missing that second piece, which is they have to be able to stand on your shoulders, meaning that they have to understand what all you went through to get to where you are so that they can then progress and keep moving forward. A good analogy to bring it home would be it's, it's not about like giving them the right seeds even in life or the right ideas. Sometimes it's talking about how do you help them understand to create fertile soil to grow from? And you can't help them have fertile soil unless you have fertile soil. And if you're on a drought of your cup's empty, you're not sure where you're coming from, and you're always coming from a place of anger and just leave me alone, you're going to have a Dust Bowl event almost. And you're going to be wondering why you can't grow anything and why the topsoil blew away because you didn't tend to the soil. You didn't. There's a good analogy from the Bible that it takes a lot of shit to make good soil from Proverbs 14.4. And I often tell every veteran that has a heavy story, 
you've got a big pile of shit and you have an opportunity to change everything that grows from your soil if you work it into the soil and change the the fertileness of it and an interesting analogy that i've really been liking is if you grow a tree from the fertile soil that you create the shade that your tree provides is actually the comfort that someone's just beginning needs to have and in many ways the trees that your foundation grows with these events is kind of the shade of a core group of men that created some really fertile soil and that invites veterans to come back and sit under the shade and feel normal for a minute. Like that shade is something that gives another veteran hope of maybe I can do this too. Yeah. I feel that by the way. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the goal of it is, you know, we're, there's a lot of great programs out there and, you know, but, and a lot of them are very important, but you can't even have those, programs or those be that effective i think without like you're talking about having that place at that starting point and i think we're we're always whether it's kids or you know with with what we're doing we're always in such a hurry to get to that end point we ignore that base and and setting up that you know that that base to to grow from so as we wrap up the interview i got one question before i go into uh closing out the interview here What's a parting piece of advice that you want to make sure every dad knows from your story that would change their story? I would say don't stress too much. You know, I, I, and I would say like, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're, you know, trying to find ways that you could be a better dad, like you're already, you're already good. You know, it, there's a, a podcast I've, I've listened to before, Adam Carolla, who used to do Loveline back in the day. Um, I remember when callers would call in asking for like parenting advice, he would just be like, you're good. <laughs> Very short. Like if, if you are that invested into um, making sure your kids are successful and do well in life, like you're, you're, you're probably going to be okay. So don't, don't stress so much and, and just make your kids part of your everyday life, not just be there for, you know, sports. I absolutely love that advice because it feels overwhelming but you just actively receiving new information will change every day in the future. And a good Zig Ziglar quote that kind of like sparked an overabundance uh, of knowledge that often people wonder how I can spit out such random advice is because these early years were just consuming information that you are where you are in your life because of everything you've consumed and what you put into your mind. And you can change where you are and who you become by changing what goes into your mind. And you just listening to these words will change every other thought that you have after it. And it's just that repeated process applied with action, which is the one thing that I didn't do. I was consuming knowledge, but not applying it. And that action continues to compound. And it doesn't guarantee that the hard days go away, but it guarantees that you have better odds to overcome because you have better information. It's almost like going into war and better intel on what's ahead. The more intel you have of teenagers and all these different ages groups from different people on the podcast and other podcasts, then give you a more like, I know where the enemies are. I hopefully can know where I avoid them. You still might hit one and you still might have to snipe one out of it in the corner, but you have better intel. And most dads enter dadhood and continue on dadhood 18 years into it without ever realizing that there is an ability to actually foreshadow what the future can look like. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So if people want to get in touch with the foundation, where is the great place to get started? And if they want to maybe bring their unit back together, where would be the best place to start that process? Yeah. So just go to our website, which is uh, warriorreunionfoundation.org. Um, 
So real simple, we have kind of a step-by-step guide on how to begin the process of getting your unit back together. Um, and yeah, we have guides on there and, and helpful things. And if you have any questions, um, you can email me at charlie at warriorreunionfoundation.org. Well, Charlie, I really appreciate your time today. And it was very good, always connecting with good with another Marine and just getting to uh, shoot the shit really and compare notes, stories, but just feel connected to a similar time where we both were kind of laying this, the groundwork for something much, much bigger in our life. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. It was a good time. All right, guys. I hope that episode was just as good as it was for me because getting it ready for you guys, I was just even more excited and even reinvigorated from when I originally recorded this. I've recorded so many different episodes and often I can forget the juice of the moment until I go back and I get it ready to publish for you guys. And this was no different because again, for me, what Charlie and the organization really does is it helps veterans find the good. This is my big takeaway because why is this important? I'll dive into a little bit more than I did in the interview. Because as a veteran, we often see this big blanket of negative when we think of our active duty military service, especially if we feel like it took something away. Maybe you're actually missing an arm or a leg or some type of scarring, that there is this actual impression on you that has this negative connotation. I can tell you in my story, there were so many different things that had negative connotations, but it was those negative connotations that really got me stuck. Because for almost 10 years, I was avoiding being identified as a veteran. And I wasn't looking for the good. Part of my coaching, we always go into the obstacles are the way. And we always try to identify how the obstacles in your life have really been paving the way for where you need to go. And this is really some of the same ways of understanding what's the good, finding the good in what we're doing. Mr. Rogers is famously quoted after 9-11. He was asked his opinion on how he thinks, and he was essentially asked to give his opinion and reassure the adults that he had helped raise and through his television program. And he said, whenever you see different things like 9-11 and these different horror of events, always look for the helpers because you're always able to see the good when you look for, but that's not our initial human nature in many ways. And as a veteran, finding the good I think that is one of the core philosophies, I think, that we often miss in steps in our transition is really identifying the good, especially if you have a story that you really feel is holding you back. It's those stories that are really needing to be reframed in understanding. And I think what the Warrior Reunion Foundation does brilliantly is it remembers the feeling of feeling connected, who had your six, who was protecting you, that you're not alone, you have all these brothers that you can talk to and do different conversations with, all of these things. All of these things are things that we can work through. These are things that we can figure out. But what I just love about the organization is it brings us together at a combat level to reunite them. So if you are a combat unit and you're looking for a reunion or if you've been thinking about it, don't hesitate to reach out to Warrior Reunion Foundation. It is a nonprofit. They have some amazing sponsors that help make this a no-cost investment for all the members of the unit looking to get back together. Guys, I am so grateful for every one of you. We was lead into the Thanksgiving here in the United States. You have been listening to this podcast for months and months, and some of you for years. We're coming up on three years. 
And the idea and the gratitude of what you guys have given me, the courage and the belief and the feedback to keep going, I'm immensely and forever grateful for every one of you guys out there. If you ever need anything from me, please do not hesitate to ask at militaryveterandad.com. My cell phone number is right there at the top. My email address is right up there at the top. Don't hesitate. Guys, signing off. And remember from our last week's Fatherhood Friday, there will not be a Fatherhood Friday from now until a little bit after the new year. We'll evaluate them and see if we want to bring them back. That'll just be the interview show. So have a great Thanksgiving. I'll be back again with you guys next Monday.